Welcome to another episode of Seasons of a Lifetime podcast, where we respond to the seasons of life with inspiration, storytelling, and laughter. I'm Dawn. And I'm Cheryl. And we're happy to welcome Sam King as our next guest for this episode. Sam, would you like to tell our audience a little about yourself? Well, my name is Sam King. My wife is Dawn King. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, went to Washington High School. Shout out to all the generals. L.A. Southwest Community College, and then to UNLV. Uh, I was a parole officer at juvenile court for six and a half years. I did Bible study there for 25 years after I left. Uh, I've owned the State Farm Insurance Agency for the last 34 years. Uh, a minister and just uh, someone who's always loved helping uh, youth. Wonderful, wonderful, which is why we've asked Sam to come on to talk about mentoring. The title of this episode is Mentorship for a Lifetime. Cheryl, are you ready to take the first question? Yes, I am. So I, first and foremost, I would like to thank my brother, Sam, for, you know, I'm so honored to be interviewing you today. And you just have such a huge resume. So we definitely want to indulge in that and pull as much and glean as much as we can from you. So as we always ask, what season of life are you in? Well, this may not go with your traditional uh, winter, fall, spring, summer. I would say I'm in overtime. The fourth <laughs> okay. quarter or overtime. Anybody that's in athletics can understand mm -hmm. that. You're in the fourth quarter or it's overtime. So I'll say I'm in overtime, which means everything is a blessing for me. Uh, not only is overtime mean could be sudden death, it could be overtime, meaning that you've got extra time. And my extra time is for overtime over all my time. So I'm just thanking God for all the time I have right now to either make an impact or to share or just to be thankful for being alive right now. So my season is overtime and it's pretty prosperous and joyous. Wonderful. Amen to that. Overtime. Amen. I have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> overtime. <laughs> I hope that inspired somebody. <laughs> it should have. <laughs> uh, so yeah. for, let's, yeah. let's go ahead and get started talking about mentorship. This is something that I know is really near and dear to Sam's heart. What inspired you to become a mentor for youth and, and how did you get started? Well, I don't think that I consciously made an effort that way. I think that my life uh, God just put me in that type of position, not knowing my father or ever seeing my father while I was growing up and having coaches and uncles uh, that took the place of men uh, by my father not being there. I think it just gave me something on wanting to give back to youth and uh, be a positive impact to them and always to be encouraging. And probably growing up in Los Angeles, not having a lot my mother being on welfare at a certain time and not having much at all. We did always have love. I had cousins that were like sisters and brothers, uncles and aunts. We always got together as family. So we never thought we were poor, but we were, we were poor. We just didn't know we were poor because we always had love and we always had something to eat. So I think from that experience growing up, I always wanted more in life. And I always wanted kids to have more in life, that no matter what their situation was, that they could have hope and know that they could have more and that they weren't stuck in a situation. So I think it just led me to always being drawn to helping youth and encouraging them and motivating them and letting, know that they, letting them know that they had an out. Exactly. Let, let, you know, we don't, 
I'm not going to blanket this, but we don't see it often that a lot of people are willing to invest in our young people. And what you just said what is so vitally important, um, letting, letting them know that they are someone and they are important. So my question that is sort of a two-parter is, what are some of the most common challenges that young people face today? And how do you help them navigate through those challenges? Well, I'm gonna share with you from my experiences from growing up and then working at juvenile court uh, for all my years and what I've seen. Their circumstances is very big. What okay. they were born into and what they're raised around, the poverty, the gang violence, the no hope, parents mm -hmm. who are not parenting. I find that to be a very big situation. And it's not to sit here and knock any parents, but I've been in court before where we several times, not several times, but um, 30% of the time where you walk out when the parents leave and the kids leave from the courtroom, the judge and the attorneys and the representatives are just shaking their head because they say, now I know why the kid is how they are or they have no mm -hmm. hope because the parents are not someone who are taking an active role and following mm -hmm. through, whether it be a grandparent that's just don't have enough time, effort or energy, or parents who are not given the attention or the time to care and the love, and maybe because they've never got it themselves and don't know how to parent. But yeah. the kids who don't have the backing or people, the support system, who give them encourage or show them a way out or show them another way other than crime or just, uh, just failure, when you don't have that available to you, it is so hard. And when you see that, you cannot kind of understand how they go through some of the things they go through. And that's why it's very important for them to have someone in their life to give them an option, to show them an out, to show them another way. It's difficult even if you've got someone showing you another way, but it's almost like 0% that they're going to have a chance if nobody's trying to show them a way or nobody's trying to pull them out or nobody's trying to set an example for them. So it's really their environments as well as what's surrounding them, what their village is, what their parents are. And so my, my job has always been to show them that no matter what the circumstances are, here are some options. And I always like to give people options. I talk about that all the time. If people feel they have no options, then they just don't care. Uh, right. But when you give them some options, it's still difficult. But if you give them options, at least it gives them something to think about. I always say it plants the seed. And when it gets dark at night, they think about some of the things that you've said or the seeds that you've planted. And then it's time to then let you water them or other people water them. And then they help to help them to grow in those ideas and show them some hope to get out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm sorry, Cheryl. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. This is such a great conversation. It's a good conversation. And those, those challenges make me think about just the opposite too. There, there has to be some uh, experiences of yours that have been rewarding as well. So what can you share with the audience, with us, about some of the most rewarding experiences that you've had as a mentor? What I would tell people is, and Cheryl and Don, both of you will know uh, about this as ministers, you cannot expect an initial return on your investment. You cannot go into it expecting something as a reward yourself. It has to be a love. It's got to be something that's inside of you that you give them or you're willing to pour into them, whether you get recognized, uh, acknowledged, 
a thank you or not. You have to do it because you are sharing, sharing love and showing love, whether they show you love or not. And so once you do that, the most rewarding times for me have come back 20 and 30 years later or years later to where uh, one, one day I got a message uh, at my office, and this is 30 years from this happened. It was a kid who wanted to call me and say he was thanking me because I, I became a big brother for him, and he was now a father and had kids, and he wanted to tell me thank you for mentoring him. And it was I was still a young man myself. I was still in college playing ball, and they said there was this kid that needed a mentor and a big brother, but they didn't have any room in the, the programs and just wanted to know would I take that situation and take it on and do what I could. So I would pick him up on the weekends, take him to practice with me or take him up to UNLV or take him someplace or take him to a movie or take him out to eat and was involved in his life and then didn't know what happened to him in his life. And to get that call to say, Mr. King, thank you for what you did for me in my life and helped me to see what a man is supposed to be. And I've applied that into my life with my son. I just want to thank you. To get that message, it almost wants to bring tears to your eyes because it's not anything you're expecting or to deal with a kid later on who you mentored at juvenile court, who's been on parole to you, who then sees you later on in the years and say, Mr. King, thank you for what you did, what you shared or how you treated me. I think kids just want someone to show up. And you mentioned it a second ago. They want you to know that you recognize and see them and, and see that they're worth something or something to invest in. And when you show up and you let them know that they're being seen and then you give them something and you feed them, and I mean, uh, plant a seed and water and encourage it. Again, right. no guarantee that that plant's going to live. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the point is you've got a greater chance for them to, to do. And so what's rewarding is when things come back. And when I share and when I preach before and share it to people, I said, you got to do it and not expect it initially, but it will come back to you. I can't tell you if it's a year from now, five years, 10, 15 or 20, but it will come back and it'll reveal yourself. And hopefully it's in your lifetime. <laughs> so. Exactly. No, I totally agree. You know, one thing um, that I am grateful for um, cause this is almost like a father's day segment without it being labeled father's day. Um, I am grateful for my stepdad who I call daddy, um, who is now, um, going on now he's in heaven, um, driving Jesus crazy. But, um, so <laughs> asking more, 101 questions, but he was the man who was in my life who told me I was important. And he, in spite of the fact that I was not his child. He embraced me so and continuously poured into the fact that I was important. So much to the fact that when I met my biological father when I was 40 years old, this man was the person who told me it was important to know where I come from. Amen. And he did not try to take over his place because he felt that the work he had put in already had established who, who my daddy was. Yeah. But you need to know who your biological father is. And, you know, I'm I'm grateful to all men who step in who are not fathers of these children, but show children, you know, they set a standard. They set a bar like my husband has set such a high standard that I don't know who the guy is going to come in and marry our daughter. But the standard <laughs> is there um, that our right. children don't have to worry. You teach them how to tie their tie and put their pants on right and tell them how to walk. Well, they will be respected in society for being a man, not a boy, a man right. at right. some point. 
So anyway, that was my part. Mm-hmm. Um, so what advice do you give to parents or caretakers who want um, to support the young people in their lives? Well, one of the things that I, I say all the time is that, and, and you can relate this to church, uh, mentorship, caring, helping, it's going to take either some time or money. Now, either you're going to donate some money so that somebody has the time to go do some stuff, or you're going to donate some time. And so either you're going to get involved and give your time and make a commitment to help, even if it's just to show up at a school, if it's men to show up at elementary schools, if they have a program or a junior high I know that I, I went up to a, a school a couple of times where Don was at before just to make a presence because I was involved with the program before where it was a school in a low income area and they just needed some men to show up during lunchtime, rec time, just so that kids could see men walking around so that you could stop and say, hey, hey, what's your name? Come over here, Bobby, why, why are you doing that? Yeah. Sometimes they just need that voice and if you know how Absolutely. to show love and correction, <laughs> you still gotta show correction, but you gotta just show love. And these kids, I'm talking about elementary kids are saying, what up, man? They, they're talking to you like they, they in high school. And it first catches you off guard, but then you got to realize the environment that they're growing up in. And, and exactly. by people who don't have the time to teach them that they just needed some men who could show them love, but then give them correction. Because now I always say now, don't just give them love and let them become little devils around here. Show them love and give them correction. They will know that you're loving them through the correction. And ultimately, they will seek you out. I've always said this. When I would be in churches, I don't care. Cheryl, I could be in a church visiting. I could just not stop from helping youth or correcting youth in a positive way if they were showing out. Don ultimately sometimes would say, Sam, mind your own business. Now, later on in life now, I do the best I can to just mind my own business. But... The point was I would share and and help correct kids in a positive way. And here's why I know it's true that you have to do it. They will ultimately seek you out down the line. If they know you've given them some attention, but you also show love, they will come looking for you at some point. I I think the church environment, it's okay to do that. You almost, it's almost like every adult in the church environment has the right to speak to every child in there. Everybody else is right. You know what I mean? But Sam will see it if we're in a restaurant and, and, a, and a okay. child is acting up. I'm like, you got to leave that alone. Like, that's when I tell you, leave it. Mind your business. But in church, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, yeah, you have to be able to correct them. But, uh, but it, it's time and effort. You got to give some time, effort, or you got to give some money and then let somebody else have a program to be able right. to do it. Yeah. it well, I, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of on Sam's side because I will turn around, baby, sit down. It's down. <laughs> yes, yeah, that would be your personality too. And they need it. They need it. And it's funny what, what you both said. Like you were talking about fathers, you were talking about um going into the school and having a pre- having men be present in the education field. There are so many women working. Now, when you go way up, superintendent, assistant superintendents, they, they tend to be more male-dominated positions. But in the schools themselves, what the students see are women. And when you get into neighborhoods where there aren't as many fathers around and they're being raised by the grandma or the mom, it really is important for them to have that male role model. So I think even though big brothers and big sisters and other organizations like that, they want men and women to mentor to youth. It is so important that we have more men doing it because they already have women in their lives. And so many of them don't have the the father figure. Exactly. Exactly. 
So where were we? Where where were we on our questions? Um, I think you wanted to ask me about his approach. About his approach? Yes. Right, about his approach with children from diverse backgrounds. So we know um, sometimes culture can step in the way and how we approach a child. I know this just being in a classroom or being on a school campus, you approach children differently based on their culture. So how have you seen or how have you handled that when there were diverse groups? Well, I've always, because I've coached, um, been able to approach kids from a coaching point. And so coaching and ministry kind of go hand in hand. But from a coaching point, it's almost like where I don't have to dominate. My style is not where you're trying to dominate. I've always tried to show respect. And so working in juvenile court also on the inside as well as the outside, I've always felt the same with policing. If you show some respect first, a kid or a young adult will give you some respect back. Now, it still doesn't mean that you don't have to then come with truth to them. But I, okay. I feel like uh, by me showing respect and relating with them and from all my experiences in life, I show respect, but then I also show truth. And so one mm -hmm. thing that if I were to say, I'd say someone could call me Coach Truth, but I'd also give you respect first. So the thing is, dealing with different types of kids. So I'll say in four categories, I'll say you got a, spoil, a spoiled category. You've got a, just a low income where it's just down at the bottom kind of level. I'd say you got a level where people are struggling, but yet still they have some guidance. And then you have a middle class type of area where Maybe the kids get everything that they pretty much need, but they kind of have some direction. So when you talk to different kids, um, I'm a related to coaching and ministry. When someone doesn't have anything and they're just battling every day just to survive, it is really tough. And so you can't just give information to them. You got to show up and help. You can't mm -hmm. just talk. You got to be able to do something where you're willing to help. You might have to help them go get a job, pick them up and take them to an interview, help them fill out applications, check up on them and do something for them, go buy them a meal, go drop something off to their family. You got to do something to show that you care, that you're not just doing this to be talking like you need some attention. Um, the spoiled brat syndrome, the people who have it all, uh, sometimes you just have to deal with truth, still let them know you care and you want to help, but that you're not intimidated by their status. I'll give an example. When coaching one time in a predominantly high-income area, and someone asked me to come be uh, an assistant coach over there, a former teammate of mine. I treated all the kids the same. Now, they had, they had a tough time dealing with my skin color initially because they were like, man, who's this cat coming on campus? We don't see too many African-American coaches, and he's coming talking to us like he's telling us what to do with no slack. But I don't right. holler and scream just to holler and scream. I educate, teach, and relate. And I had to stop coaching there just because they had a coaching change. In my life, I was a passing quarterback. I'm about offenses that score points. And they made a coaching change, and they brought in a coach that wanted to run the ball all the time. And so I said, well, you know what? You don't need me there because I'm not the type of person that go coach and you run the ball 90% of the time. Long story short, when the season got ready to start, since I knew a couple of coaches there, I went to one of their games. And at the beginning of the game, before in warm-ups, several players came up to me that were white and said, Mr. King, Coach King, what happened to you? He said, man, I got to apologize to you. I know I was responding to you a certain way initially, but I realized everything you were trying to tell us was to help us to be better and to improve. Right. And so I always say you tell the truth, you coach and you encourage, you inspire, but you help people rise to another level. They will remember that. Whether you ever get a chance for them to tell you that and relate that. 
So I, I, I give those two examples. But then in the other levels where let's say you got a kid that's in a lower income, but they have enough to survive, you want to let them know that there's still hope and that they have opportunities to be everything that they want to be. That that mm -hmm. it's just it's right there that it may not seem like it's there, but it's there that they can do things and put in the time and effort for them to be a success. The same with the middle class kids. I'm a little tougher on them because I'm saying, look, the things that have been provided for you, you're not taking advantage of. Stop playing games. You got parents who care about you. People are putting you in positions. Take advantage of what's there. So depending on their situations, what they're about, what their environments are, maybe what their income levels are, and what their situations are, you do have to recognize some of those things because you might have to be more of an encourager. You might have to be more of a provider. You can't be want somebody trying to provide for a kid that's got everything. You got to tell him something different or show him something different. Right. But the kids that that's at the bottom of the income level or the next to that, you got to be willing to show up and help and do. You got to not only talk about it, uh, whether it be the churches, whether it be whatever programs, they got to be where we somehow are able to still give and do something extra. But then also don't don't just give it and keep giving it and not expect them to grow. We gotta expect them to grow some. If I ask you to, if I ask you to at least read a chapter so you can start understanding something in the Bible that can give you a solid base inside and you never do it, sometimes I gotta call you out on that at some point. If right. I'm trying to provide some food and growth for you, meaning food from the word or some type of education or some type of anything that's to benefit you and you never make any strides or efforts to do it, I have to at some point call you out on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, to I totally agree. I, I think you, you bring up a couple of really good points and I want to say Whenever we talk about diversity, often when we talk about diversity, the, the word equality and, and equity comes mm -hmm. comes into play. And there's a difference between equal and equitable. I right. what what you're saying is you didn't give everybody equally the same exact thing, but it was equitable because you gave each one what they needed. And we do the same thing, we do the same thing in churches, we do the same thing in the classroom. If I'm looking at a child who um, comes in and I know he's hungry all the time, I may have some extra snacks for him. And I may have something else for someone else. You know, she comes in and she never has a jacket, but she's cold in the room because our room is extra cold. I have a sweater in my drawer just for her. Mm -hmm. So it's not equal, but it's equitable. And I think if we approach things that way and give people kind of like speak to them with their love language, in this case, speak to them with the needs that they have and give them what yeah. they need, then they respect you for that, you know, and you can't teach somebody anything until their basic needs are met. And that's where I yeah. used to see you in Bible study and he would feed them some snacks first and then he would get into the word and maybe sing a song, but you would feed them first, you know, and it's, and that we have to make sure basic needs are met before we expect anything from anybody of any age. So exactly. you just made me think about that. I want to share that though. <laughs> now, what, no, no, one of the things she's talking about, go ahead. I'm sorry. Say no, no. It, what she's saying, it, both of you are saying it's true. Um, it says that we must take care of their needs. The word of God tells us that um, before we can feed it. Like, Who is trying to hear you? <laughs> and my stomach, stomach is growling. growling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so to, to um, add to that, I wanted to ask Sam, you know, we talked about the, um, the, the income um, differences. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the cultural differences, but as working with the young people today, is there a, a common thread that goes that really 
doesn't, it's not about um, their income. It's not about where they come from. Is there something that is taking place across the board with young people? <laughs> he's laughing. I kind of think I know what he's going to say. <laughs> what do you think I'm going to say? Well, it, as it relates to me relating to him, it is probably usually through music. Yeah. But respect and integrity is a big issue now. There's so many young kids that have no respect and integrity mm -hmm. uh, that they have not received from home or their community or their initial extending family that then it's a problem. So, so guess what? There are times when I see some kids that it's tough for them to probably relate to me or receive something initially because they may not want to hear it. Sometimes when you're in an environment at church or a juvenile court, you have a captive audience. Don't mean that you're gonna be able to reach them, but I was mm -hmm. able to usually reach them because I could relate to them and I would share things and I would do things. Uh, music that I would play might initially be upbeat. I might play mm -hmm. a rap song's instrumental and make up my own words. Uh, Absolutely. I, mean, I, I go <laughs> off when I'm in that environment. I just, I love and I'm tough, but I give a word to where they can understand. I break things down yep. to what they may be going through in life and show them a word. And then I get kind of intense when I get, because I love helping them so much. I tend to go from, from zero to a hundred in a way that's mm -hmm. positive, but involve them in a way to where they walk away with the thing to say. Now, don't just listen to what I'm saying, but it's the one who applies it in their life. And so nowadays there's so many other kids out there and I'm only talking about when I see on the street or just in the environment or in the community or in shopping centers to where I've never had to work with adults unless I was in the church. So uh, working for adults in the correctional facility is not necessarily for me unless God just all of a sudden strikes me and says, you're going to go start working there. Now, now I always say them kids that I was teaching in are now adults now, but so it may happen one day, but, it's tougher to reach kids nowadays that it seems like they're getting further and further away from family members who were able to share the word with them. We used to at least have grandparents mm -hmm. and parents who had at least given them some type of base or some type of introduction to the word to where now it's like cool to, to be the opposite and not mm -hmm. say that you want to be a Christian or to understand the word or to to have God in your life or to accept right. him as your savior. And so that's another, that's a whole different struggle until they crash and burn almost the way it's their last effort to reach out. Now, someone right. that's different, but that's what I would say is the biggest challenge, uh, what I see. But the connection I usually have is that for some reason, music and me and kids, whether it be rap and any type of music uh, as it relates, I always turn it around and share positive thoughts in a way to where sometimes the beat catches them. I've, I've, I've right. been where I've gone into a, a setting and I start playing an instrumental and the whole crowd is up there starting to rock. And then I start giving a lesson and then, and I caught their eye and I, and I give a lesson and they go like, wow. But the way you relate that lesson to them and how they can relate it in life, they can relate to everything, but then every week they're looking forward to the beat and they're looking forward to a snack, but then they're listening to the word. And so somehow you got to know your audience though also. Yeah. And so that's what I would still say. I'm never afraid to deal with youth and be involved with them. It's just that if I told you that challenge what I see, I see that happening. But in any environment, you still can reach because if you, if you start teaching hope and let them know, I always tell them all, 
from a welfare to a millionaire, I'm willing to serve everybody. And I'm telling you, you have the opportunity to succeed in life. No matter what your circumstances has been, you have an opportunity to succeed. And so Absolutely. if you share that and you share them a path, man, you can catch them. It don't mean they ain't going to make a mistake because if you only showing up once a week, which that's usually what it was, <laughs> and nobody else is doing anything, and when they get out, if they're not seeking, and I would tell them, you need to be seeking going to a church home. Wherever you go, I would encourage them to be involved in the share. I would leave my number saying, if you need one, call me. I'll give you three or four. And so, again, it's some involvement, you know. <laughs> Okay, okay, so to the author that's on here, yeah. my sister doing um, From Welfare to a Millionaire, that should be the next book, I'm just saying. Oh, is that the title <laughs> of the next book? We're gonna take that into serious consideration. <laughs> exactly. So, so some years ago, um, I was asked to write a chapter about boys to men, and I, I wrote a chapter in the book, and I started out with the book to speak to what Sam was saying, that there's no one here to teach them. Um, I started out apologizing to our sons, apologizing because we didn't raise them. Because if we have to look at the generation that is here now, they're the children of the ones who were on crack. Yes. When the crack epidemic came through. So those children were actually left to raise themselves. Yeah. You had family members who were willing to take the check, yeah. but not willing to support the kids. And, you know, the, these kids raise themselves. You know, um, I, my daughter went out to, to the movies the other day and she said that it, the movie was fine, but these little kids were just running all over the movie theater and no one was there to say, have a seat. Yeah. I've gone to restaurants where kids are just running all over the place and no one says, this is how you conduct yourself. In, the, in this type of setting. So I totally agree with what you're saying, Sam. It just, it just blows my mind. Cause you know, we had the, we had the parents that gave you the look. Yeah, yeah. So let yeah. me look at you twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so now how do you deal um, and stay up to date with the, the latest trends and the issues that young people are facing? And how do you incorporate that knowledge into your mentor? Well, I'm a, Go ahead. I, I think you kind of covered that. I well, think I'm, I'm just in case there was anything missing. Well, mu yeah. mu music probably music. is my only thread because some of the trends and some of the things that they do, I have to bust up and laugh. If I'm with them, I have to admit and say, y'all are just way out there. I said, maybe I, I tell them. I mean, some things I ain't trying to stay up with. I'm just trying mm -hmm. to tell them. I might say, whoa. I said, but you know what? I said, maybe that's how our parents felt about our big old afros and bell bottom pants yes. and platform shoes yes. and, and whatever we was doing. And when we started listening to music and they thought it was too crazy and Marvin Gaye yes. with sexual healing and let's get it on. And we thought that was the coolest stuff. And so what I do is I really don't try and stay up with the trends. But one of the things that keeps me connected with kids uh, Donna tell you this, I, I love, I do this, it's, it's the music. My daughter can sing, my son raps, and, mm -hmm. and I do I do a CD every once in a blue moon to my family where music, I, I stay connected with them, and so it makes me listen to music. I've always loved music, probably because music got me through some issues when I was a young man. I'm talking about mm -hmm. a teenager or younger. For some reason, music soothed me in some tough times that I was going through, and so at night, going to sleep, I might have been listening to music that just helped me get through different things. And so I've always had a love for music and it's, I found it to be 
it's almost like the leader of a choir. And Don always mm -hmm. teases me because when I be shouting and when I be going off, when I'm leading and having the groups of people uh, sing and do, she say, I'm like Kirk Franklin. I am because I be shouting. And I say, if you ain't, if, you, if the choir ain't loud enough in the church, they're going to hear me because uh, from the back, I'm going to be singing and, and shouting. Like, but give it up. And, and <laughs> <laughs> so I always include you. music with, when I teach. Uh, when I've done Bible study or when I was a youth minister and when I was doing Bible study classes, I always had a part where it's an introductory because it would either fire them up or get them involved. And I would challenge them to sing and challenge them to be involved. Okay. And so that's the thing that keeps me connected, I would say now with the youth is probably the music because I'll probably always be up to date. Not that I agree with all the stuff that gets said or what gets done, but I always tease my son and people say, it's all about the music, it ain't about the lyrics, because I can change the lyrics around and use God and tell you what you should be doing in your life with the beat and you'll be going like, man, okay. And so, uh, but some of the trends and certain things, I'm like some of the older people where you go like, oh my gosh, did he or she have to do that or wear that or say that or do, or did it really have to go that far just to stay up? to date with some stuff and so yeah uh yeah yeah i'm never one to, to stay with the trends but with music i always have an understanding because i'm listening even if i tell them oh gosh i can't stand ha i can't stand 90 percent of the stuff that y'all putting out i can't listen to the radio sometimes yeah. i have to tell that to my son and stuff but still it's a connection with the music uh for me with youth to be honest with you and stuff uh yeah i totally agree with the, the music aspect i grew up in a in a musical household, so to speak, we were always involved with um, okay. music. Um, my dad, my biological yeah. father, is an entertainer, but my mom made sure that she kept us in the realm of music. Um, and and Brittany is the same way. She writes to music. Okay. My whole life consists of what happened around this type of music, and yeah. it, it becomes oh, yeah. a story. I keep telling her I'm going to leave her with all of this music. Can you handle it? <laughs> Okay. okay. I can relate. I grew up the same way. Both my parents love music and you can hear old songs and they'll just take you right back to certain eras in your life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And change Absolutely. your mood. Like you said, can definitely change your mood. Definitely. Um, I, I think Sam has some really, and I can say this because I know him very well. I know okay. that he has a lot of characteristics that are just natural and just align very well with what you would expect from a mentor. Mm -hmm. And so what I would like him to share, um, and this might have you dig a little deeper because it does come so natural for you as a parent, as a minister, as someone who's always coached and, and cared about young people. What would you say are some essential skills that other people could work on, could hone if they have the desire to become a mentor? Mm -hmm. I believe you have to set an example and I'm not going to say you have to be perfect because you don't. None of us are perfect, but you've got to be willing to speak truth, but then to live truth uh, so that you can want to set an example. Uh, again, I think that you have to be willing to commit time, effort. Uh, I think you got to be willing to follow through and to get to know uh, the kid or the kids that you're trying to help, know their situation, uh, know their environments. <clears throat> ultimately you got to be respectful because you need to respect the families. You need to show respect to their parents, whether it's the mother or the father or the grandparent. Uh, so I think when you show respect and that you show that you are ethical, uh, because you can't be someone that undercover you trying to hook up with the kids 
cousins and daughters and uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's why I say you got to have some integrity. But when you have all those things and you're really, truly trying to help and serve, I think it's just take a step. So it's you got to take a step to learn. Take one step at a time. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. The more committed, it might just be with that one child. It might be with that one school. It might be with that one team. It might be with that one group. It might be at a church. It might be with the youth group. It might be with the young uh, group. It might be with the choir. It might be that just to donate some money and then show up at all their performances. It might be, it starts with act, active, being active and be w willing to commit your time or your money. But if you really want to be a mentor, you got to be willing to give your time. It's not just about the money because you're not really being a mentor. You're just being someone who's helping to donate if you're giving money. But to be a mentor, you got to give up some time. Uh, and, and it's got to be legitimate time where you really care, not just to show up and take them to get a Big Mac and then drop them off. But then you got to find out what they're doing and then follow up with them. So it's going to take some time. So if mm -hmm. I could wrap all of those really good nuggets you just shared up in a bow, that bow would be called relationship. Because I think you're what you're what you're telling the audience is you have to establish a relationship. And the only way a relationship can be maintained is if you continue to communicate. And so you're keeping in touch with these children and getting to know them and who are the other adults in their lives. I, I always say when we teach um, young people in the schools, we try we try to do it as a tribe, as a team. You know, so we may have special education teachers and general education teachers and the coach and the parents and people in the community. And we try to do this as a team to help that one student. So it's really all about relationship. And when you find that that tribe, that group, that community um, that you can establish established now together you can you can relate to the child and hone not hone but develop a relationship that's going to make that child feel seen and heard and important Cheryl said that yeah. earlier that she, she was told she was important for the first time and a lot of our youth have never heard that yeah. and because of so much that they go through they don't think that they are you know yeah. so I that's how I, I see it yeah. I, I think everything you were saying was is speaking to relationship so that's where it so, starts so, so dealing with what kids are um, experiencing now, we see a lot more um, mental illness. We see a lot, not just among the youth, but among people in general. We see, mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of suicide among the young people. What advice do you give to young people who are struggling with challenges like bullying, mental illness issues, or even substance abuse? Well, <clears throat> it's being careful. Uh, if I were to share about someone trying to help there, Know your lane and reach out to where one of the things that I always talk about when I either say it in a song or, or in a message, uh, and I really mean this, is that I always tell people to accumulate your board of life before you die. And what I mean by you getting your board of life, obviously the head of that board is God and having a relationship with him, but you should have a, so many people that you're able to, to reach out to to be a part of your team. So I would encourage a kid to say, listen, we got to come up with some people who can follow through, touch bases with you. It might be a professional person. It might be a relative. It might be someone from the outside. It might be something that somebody can provide services. It might be someone who can just be a mentor, friend. I mean, a board of life. So even when I talk to people about business, accumulating a board of life where you've got so many people who you could reach out to and talk to who can not only tell you the truth, but could encourage you, could help you, could either give some type of finances. And it's not just about giving somebody when anytime they call and say they want, because sometimes you have to say no to certain things. But if you can <laughs> accumulate a board of life 
is what I talk about. And that just might be, you might have five people that you know you could reach out to and bump something by, and you know they'll tell you the truth, or they'll encourage you, but they're not going to lie to you just to appease you, but they will encourage you and be there for you, but then also might plant an idea or something in your mind to make you think about something or give you hope that you've not been thinking about. So I encourage people and I always encourage kids or people or when I'm helping people from a business point of view or when I'm just dealing with youth or anybody else to say, you know, or even when I talk about it in song, I say, make sure you get your board of life together before you die and stuff. The point is I want you to have people that you could reach out to who would be there for you to help you and encourage you to help you get through certain things in your life. That's beautiful. I've, I've heard that before, Board of Life. I think that's so important. And I think you wrapped up our last question. We were going to ask you, how can a young person look for or find a, a mentor? And I think you just said it. One, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and Donna, mm-hmm. i tell you again, I always use this in a song, is ask, seek, and knock. Mm-hmm. So I'm an encourager of kids to say, you're going to ask, you're going to seek, and you're going to knock. Whoever you see out there that you think is positive or somebody in your family or somebody at the school, a coach, a business person, anybody, you're going to ask and say, who would you recommend help me or can you help me? Will you talk to me? I'm encouraging them to ask, seek, or knock. And one of my most famous lines is that, and you ain't going to knock in a way that you just knocking. Baby, you're going to be knocking like it's 2 a.m. in the morning and it's some gang members coming at you and you're going to be banging on the door. And then yes. I'm, I'm going to be asking right. continually. And, and when you ask like that and people know you're serious, people going to help you. When you when people know you're serious and you're following through, they're going to help you. And I always tell youth about this. Listen. If you show that you care and you want help, there's going to be somebody that's going to help you. Believe me. But when you ask, when you seek, and when you knock, baby, you better be knocking like it's 2 a.m. in the morning and you're about to get shot. (laughs) I totally agree with you. But you know what? I'm so grateful that you're on my list. (laughs) I think I be calling all the time, but I'm glad that you're on my list. Like, I know I can call my brother when I really need that thing, you know, to understand where I am. He's on your board of life. He's on your board of life. Exactly. Hey, I hope I didn't blow the mic out too when I shouted. It might have it might have jacked some stuff up. No, you were fine. I think it'll be all right. Okay. Thank you so much for pouring some wisdom into this episode, Sam. We are so happy to have you. We we just know this is going to bless a lot of people. And we here at Seasons of a Lifetime, we always end our episodes with a little seasoning. And it's a quote. And I'm going to go ahead and read that for everyone. Show me a successful individual. And I'll show you someone who had real positive influences in his or her life. I don't care what you do for a living. If you do it well, I'm sure there was someone cheering you on or showing the way, a mentor. And that comes from Denzel Washington. And I think that really sums up a lot of what Sam shared with us today. Thank you again, Sam. Thank you. We'd like to thank our uh, our guest today, Sam King. I, I so much appreciate it. I think that people will be blessed by hearing this. And then I, um, I'm praying that they also share it, not only among the adults, but definitely with the young people. Um, did, did Sam give us the information of how to maybe reach out to him if necessary? Well, 
there's a couple of different ways. If someone really wanted to reach me, you could. Uh, I'll give an email if they wanted to contact me and to, to say I would like to have some advice from him or talk to him or have a response from him. I'm going to give you a, an email that's kingsqb1inc at aol.com. And I'll go back over that again. That's K-I-N-G-S. Q as in quarter, B as in back, the number one, I, N as in Nancy, C, Kings QB1 Inc. at AOL.com. And I'll reply. I mean, if somebody really wants some help or they want some advice or some information, uh, I'm willing to give it. Thank you for that, Sam. And I'll make sure that his email is also in the show notes. So if mm -hmm. anyone um, is driving while they're listening to this episode, you can check the show notes when you have the opportunity to do so. And we'd like to thank everyone for listening today. As always, we are nothing without you. Contact us if you have any um, shows or themes that you would like for us to produce in the future. We are always grateful to present you with information and maybe something to help you through your season of life. When you go on, please share, uh, subscribe, let somebody else know. <laughs> yes. Thank you, guys. Listen, we're coming in from two different coasts. We have Las Vegas on one side and we have New York on the other. We want everyone in between. <laughs> yes, we do. We love you all and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.